After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming again. This is The Few, The Proud, The Profitable. This podcast, we exclusively interview six and seven figure business owners and online business owners. We know that in this space, especially, there are a lot of pretenders, a lot of people who are exaggerating, fabricating what their successes and their expertise are. So on this podcast, we exclusively talk to people who are actually making money online. So today we're talking to Liz Pifko. Liz, thanks for being on here. Thank you. All right, so real pleasure to have you. So first question, in a couple of sentences, just tell us what you do and who you are. So I'm Liz Pifko. I own a law firm that focuses on helping um, small businesses and online entrepreneurs with their legal needs. So we do a lot of contracts, business formations, trademarks, copyrights, things like that. Okay. Any area you specialize in more, are you doing more IP, entity setup, litigation, or just every bit of it? I do, I focus mostly on contracts. Okay. Did did we, what happened? You got turned off there for a second. Sorry, might have to edit that out. (laughs) Yeah, so I, uh, as I was saying, I focus mostly on contracts and IP registrations, but um, I do the occasional business formation, but it's such a minor task that, you know, it's, uh, I usually don't do like a one-off LLC formation. If you want the operating agreement or corporate bylaws and things like that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, just create, creating the LLC. And I think that's where people nowadays, especially with legal stuff, they ha- they're deceived into thinking it's simple because certain components of it are. You can, anyone can go and create an LLC in about five minutes now, having the underlying documents and structure to make sure it, it holds water and you don't run into issues down the road is, is a lot bigger challenge. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. if you know that like courts will not give you the liability protection unless you have your operating agreement, your separate bank accounts, and just running the whole thing as a business. So, you know, yeah, anybody can go online and form an LLC, but the rest of it, you know, they don't even know that they need, but. No, and that's that's what'll be crazy to me is when people come in and we're seeing the issues on the tax side where people won't be in community property states, but they, it's a husband and wife team and they set up a multi-member LLC, didn't bother to file a partnership return for the past 10 years. Just weird stuff to where it's so easy to get on that entry level, but making sure that it's, you're not screwing something up on in the long term or even the short term, it, it's, um, I think it's a disservice how easy it is now to do some of the initial steps. It's getting a lot of people in trouble. Yeah, it yeah. is. I, I see it on the daily. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> All right, cool. So question number two, what's the best thing about having a profitable online business? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the cliche answer of freedom. Sure. But, you know, the truth is the truth. Um, not having a boss to deal with is yeah. just a world of difference. Um, you know, I've had some 
awesome bosses and then I had some supervisors that were straight from hell mm -hmm. and it's just you know to be on my own and you know I know when I'm productive and it's usually not on someone else's schedule I'm actually very productive in the evenings um, I am productive when I travel sometimes you know I have my highest income months when I'm not even home so yeah. you know I just need to travel more I was just discussing just that the never, other day. Never be at home. Just all yeah, exactly. And you can't do that with a traditional, you know, employment situation, especially oh, yeah, not in my industry, which is like stuck in the 18th century most of the yeah. time. So yeah, freedom, absolutely. Oh yeah, and I mean that's kind of what my journey's been. Is I've I've realized after the fact that. I either had the worst bosses in the world or I was not a great employee because that interaction never seemed to work out particularly well. And that's how we work here. Um, the other CPA here in my office, he shows up at four or five in the morning and then we'll leave really early. It's lucky if I'm in here by 10 a.m., but then we're here late into the evenings during tax season. We're here till two or three in the morning just because if you're if you have that flexibility and you're not having to be stuck to, like you're saying, an 18th century business model, it gives you a lot more freedom than you'd otherwise have. Yeah, exactly. And like, you don't, sometimes you don't even know why the rules are there. Mm -hmm. Like they're completely useless. They have nothing to do with the business. They have nothing to do with productivity. They actually hurt the business, hurt the employees. Just do away with that crap. So yeah. I wouldn't even re-enter the workforce until like that becomes the new culture but that's not it in not my lifetime i don't think anytime soon so yeah <laughs> looks like we remain where we are yeah all right cool all right question number three the thing we hear from a lot of online business owners is that cash flow can be a real challenge so how do you end up managing your cash flow and overcoming that well there are two components that i think are making the biggest difference. One is knowing my numbers. Mm -hmm. At first, I hated numbers. Yeah. And I was afraid of numbers. Yeah, that's most. And <laughs> I thought it was a pain and it felt like another job. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to deal with it because I don't like it. And yeah. you know, someone told me, you are not going to be successful until you start crunching those numbers and you know them inside and out and you know your KPIs and you, you, you're not scared of looking at that bank account balance and knowing exactly where you stand. Yeah. So, you know, I had to like tell myself as like a mantra or an affirmation that numbers are good. Yeah. That's where my profit is. Let's go look at it. Yeah. And, you know, I just had to like get myself, force myself to, to keep looking at my numbers even though I didn't want to. Yeah. And then having a good line of credit is the other. <laughs> right. Yeah, that gets you through, if, especially if you've got a business where it's not subscription-based and you have ebbs and flows, be it seasonality or transactional type work. Mm -hmm. Having a little bit of buffer can be very, very helpful at certain times. But right. what you're saying with KPIs and tracking, that's the biggest difference that we've noticed with our clients across all industries. It doesn't matter if you're in retail, wholesale, you're consulting, it's a professional service. doesn't matter what you're doing, how many employees you have, irrespective of any other factor, the clients who are tracking everything and who are really meticulous about their metrics, 
they succeed. But the ones who dig their heads in the sand, who don't have that information to make adjustments as needed, those are the ones that if they don't fail, they at the very least just stall. They, right. they don't grow and they, they stay exactly where they're at today. And it's going to be a forever struggle. Yeah. And they'll never know why they're struggling because they're awesome people and they really know their craft. They are just not making any money. Right. And it's always, sometimes it's always the same. It's not even excuses, but it's the same re, you know, reason that could have been overcome. Or sometimes it's just this rotating number of excuses. There's always something that happens, something that they couldn't avoid. But if they'd been tracking and really digging into what's going on, there's, of course, things that could have been done to mitigate and overcome those challenges. Yeah. And, you know, I see myself in some of my clients who yeah. are like, who've been putting off the legal stuff and putting it off and putting it off. Yeah. And all of a sudden it comes blowing up in their face and it's now a $150,000 loss, whereas it right. could have been taken care of for like three grand. Same thing I had with numbers. Like I so did not want to look at them. I wanted nothing to do with them. I was scared and of course I overpaid in taxes in my first year and I just got completely screwed, but you know, learning experience, whatever, I'm over it at this point. But if I acted like an adult and not been scared, yeah, I'd have so much money right now. Right. Well, I was talking to someone the other day and I said almost every single failure or huge loss, misstep that I've had, most of them could have been avoided had I just hired a professional and whatever the field was, be it legally, just tracking wise, marketing, whatever. If I hadn't tried to be cheap or been scared to invest the money or whatever, I'd have so much more money in the bank now. Yeah. But you live and learn and learn not to uh, to hide from these things. But I think that's a journey all of us go through at, at one point or another. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, awesome. So question number four, and this is just your opportunity to drop a bit of a knowledge bomb. So in a couple of minutes, give us a tip that every online business owner should know. Okay. So we talked about one of the big ones, cash flow. From a legal perspective, which is what I deal with every day, yeah. Have a bulletproof client agreement that is made specifically for your business. Mm -hmm. Client agreement is the number one most important document that you are going to be using all the time. Every time you sign on a new client, the parameters of that relationship, the rules that everyone has to follow, any recourse that the parties may have, against one another if you know things don't work out as planned all of this is in the client agreement mm -hmm. everything from how you're going to resolve disputes what you will do what you won't do um, for the money being provided everything is in the client agreement yeah i can't tell you how many people i work with that come to me because a relationship blew up and when i ask for the contract doesn't they, you know, yeah it's, they don't have one it was kind of a, you know we were friends we knew each other yeah. we we emailed a couple of times back and forth but we don't really have a contract but i want to sue and uh, i just have to start out by first of all you don't have a contract saying where you can sue so if you want me to start working that's where you, the first part of your retainer goes is for me to you know figure out where which jersey might be able to yeah yeah do that and if the laws of that jurisdiction even allow for recovery. And then, you know, once we've gotten these preliminary things out of the way, 
then, you know, maybe in two weeks or so, we can actually get to the merits of this claim. Yeah. And it's like, you're spending so much For money. For the most on, basic, the starting yeah. point of what you would be doing otherwise if they had yeah. an agreement. Like, if there is a contract, all I need to do is look at it, maybe yeah. check a couple clauses against the law to see if they're enforceable. Yeah. But, you know, I can give you a yes or no in a day or two. If there is no contract, you know, you're, you're dragging this out and adding like 15K to that bill, which yeah. might not even be worth it at that point to pursue whatever you want to pursue. Well, so, yeah, unless, it, that's a, unless it's a relatively major client account or dispute that's going on at three to $500 an hour of doing that amount of research and that amount of time, right. it would be a pretty heavy claim to, to justify that versus, again, if they just had that in place to, to limit the amount of time that you're having to invest into it is huge. Yeah. And like, we're not even, even if you take lawsuits out, and just think about like your client relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, a contract is there not just to protect you, but to manage expectations and mm -hmm. put everything in writing. So, you know, when people start misremembering things a couple months or years down the line, you have a document that outlines everything and clearly states what the scope is and what's going to yeah. be done and how this thing is going to work. So there, an argument doesn't even have a chance to form. Right. It's, it's explicitly it's out. And that's one of the things our client agreement we've through the years refined and refined to where it's more and more clear what's being bought, what's not being bought, what the terms are of dissolution. If there's a dispute, who's responsible for fees, any of that stuff, which mm -hmm. it's been very, very rare that we've had to go to the, the negative points of that. But to what you're saying, when a dispute does arise, we can say, well, look at what you signed here. Look at what the terms, I, I know that you think for whatever reason that we are providing X, Y, and Z. That's not at all what was outlined in the contract that we both executed. Yeah. And you can be really friendly about it and yeah, be nice. Just let the document talk for you. If right. you know, you don't want to be confrontational and yeah. just, you know, point to the relevant provision. The other party sees it and moves on with life because it mm -hmm. says what it says. So there's no room for argument. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for some people it takes losing a couple pretty high ticket clients for, mm -hmm. for this lesson to stick. But you know, the earlier you get it done, the, the more chance yeah. you have of preventing this. Well, and that's funny to me in the online space, especially because I think a lot of times people come into money really fast and more than they expected. And because of that, a lot of times they don't want to reinvest. They're, they're a little hesitant to reinvest quickly. So when we'll be meeting with people and they're making sometimes very good money, sometimes stupid good money, I'm like, okay, well, tell me about your insurance policies. What kind of insurance policies do you have? Tell me about your client agreement, your operating agreement, all this stuff. None of it exists. And... I don't know, I don't know why, but when, then when we're trying to convince them, hey, you're making well into the six figures now, it's time to invest five grand a year in a really solid insurance policy yeah. and five to 10 grand to get some of these agreements in place. There's a real hesitancy to do it still, but. I know why, because they go from, you know, 
pizza delivery guy to $2 million mansion on the beach with one funnel. And there are no lessons being learned. There's no experience being gained. They're very lucky. It's, it's one in a million that Mm -hmm. does that, you know, when you look at the big marketing groups on Facebook, you know, they have 200,000 members and like, you know, 10 people have done that. So, you know, that happens and they don't have a chance to, to think about anything because it just, it's just like winning the lottery. And then they release a course and then everybody learns from them and gets, guess what's omitted. Yeah. Like the stuff that matters to the people who don't go from, you know, broke to $5 million mansion by Monday with one funnel. So, you know, everybody's following these guys thinking, oh, well, they made this money so fast. They must know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes not so much. Yeah, and, and that's what's been so funny in this space is I have clients who are, some, some of which are, are, they're good at what they do, but they also got lucky. Some of which are just absolute experts. And then there's all these people you interact with who don't have that same same good fortune but expect what these kind of these unicorns were able to achieve right and and that's what's always that's what's funny and part of the reason we started this podcast was talking to people where looking on facebook everyone is making fifty thousand dollars a month on this one funnel and they'll teach it to you for a hundred bucks and they're just crushing it and killing it and then they either send us their tax returns so we can get their <laughs> stuff, or we quote them our prices, which if they were making even a fraction of what they said they were, would be you know, chump change. And then, oh, can't afford that. that that's way too much. And that's- I get a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so, it's so funny to me because it's, it's so transparent if you do the slightest bit of digging, but that seems to represent a disproportionate amount of the- internet marketing population right now it's just these huge oh, yeah. inflated claims but uh yeah <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people i interact with who you know post their uh shopify mm-hmm. dashboard and pictures with lambos but uh 1500 for a contract oh, is just gonna break the bank can't do that what <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny all right so cool last question it's a two for you. Got a choice of either one. What's the craziest thing you've sold on, seen sold online, or what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online? Um, I don't know about crazy tactics, but you know, I'm always fascinated by the type of things that you can find buyers for, mm-hmm. like you know, the Jesus toast, and there was a Dorito shaped like a Pope hat that sold yeah. for thousands of dollars and like JLo's chewing gum. Like it just makes you think that, you know, if you have the ability to find the right people who want what you have, you can sell basically anything. Yeah. If you're a good enough copywriter and you can tap into whatever that the little subset of the population you're trying to find, if you can target them effectively, Yes, it's my dream to sell a piece of toast for $20,000 one day. I mean, just just burn it very specifically. <laughs> you might have a shot. I think people are on to that, though. So it has to be yeah. something new. But you, 
it just fascinates me, like how people even think of that. Like I might have seen a Dorito shaped like a Pope hat and thought nothing of it. So just and then it. there's this person who puts it on eBay and makes like $8,000. Yeah. Well, what was it? The uh, It was a Virgin Mary something. There was something 10, 15 years ago, it got huge on eBay and sold for like $100,000. I can't remember what it was now, but... It was like, I remember, and I don't know. I don't know what it was like either. Absurd, absurd things to sell to begin with, and then this ridiculous price it ended up going for. Exactly. Uh, so that's I think about these things sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it just bothers you. Um, all right. Well, cool. Well, again, thanks so much for being on here. Um, if people are looking to reach out to you, if they're looking to work with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? So they can always find me on Facebook or join my group. I don't know if you can link that in the description. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it's corvinuslaw.com, C-O-R-V-I-N-U-S, law. Right. And um, I have a contact form there. So if they want to get in touch, they can always just fill that out and um, they'll be in my inbox. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so we'll link that when we post this episode. So, yeah, again, thanks so much for being on here. Thanks to everyone who's watching. Again, this has been The Few, The Proud, The Profitable. And we'll see you next time.